Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I tell you what, uh, the messages Sunday morning and Sunday night that Pastor Field brought were so timely. Uh, I hadn't heard, I heard, uh, one or two messages when he preached this in California, but it didn't come out like he preached it this week. It was a different, different, uh, angle on it, I guess, different aspects of it. And, uh, so I hadn't heard him preach these, the things that he preached this week, but, uh, man, was it powerful. So rich. Believers... We, all of us, my, myself included, all of us uh, can easily fall into the trap of just going through life uh, relating to life like ordinary people. And then when trouble comes or a temptation comes, then we kind of put up our defense and we speak the word. But, but when that's over, we just kind of, if we're not careful, we just go about life just thinking like not 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 bad thoughts, not evil thoughts, not sinful thoughts, but just not be, not being aware of who we are. Glory to God! Now I've been teaching on Sundays, and I intended to get on to go back and and work on this again on Sunday, but I just couldn't get off of what Pastor Field stirred up in me about what I was already talking about, and uh, without. Uh, Going into a lot of, uh, of detail, we, we pointed this out, that we are, when you're in Christ, you're one with him. We're one with Christ. There isn't any separation between the Lord and us. We're one. Everything that belongs to him belongs to us. Because he took everything that belonged to us upon himself... And exchange gave us everything that belonged to him. And uh, we pointed this out in, in uh, earlier messages that we died with Christ. We were crucified with Christ first. We died with Christ. And uh, we were there. We were, we were, you were at the cross. You were on the cross. Now that sounds strange to the, you know, to the uneducated mind. And educated in the word. We were on the cross with him. We hung there. In that shame. And all that judgment that was poured out upon him. It was credited to us. Though we didn't have to suffer it. We were there in him. In union with him. We died with him. Oh how liberating that is. Glory to God. To know that, you're, that, that you died with Christ. All of the old bondage, all of the old impulses, all of the old man died. And, and we were raised to new life. Glory to God. Look, to, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Now I want you to pretend this isn't a Wednesday night. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Like at some other time, 
Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2. Even when we were dead, this is verse number 5. Well, let's start in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. Whoo, you could just camp out right there. He's rich. He's not, he's not, God's not just a little merciful. He doesn't just have a little dab of mercy. You know, he is rich in mercy. And when God talks about, when, it talk, when the Bible talks about God being rich in something, he's not rich like we are. <laughs> he, is, he is the, the ultimate rich in mercy. That means he has more mercy than he needs. And I know you think a lot of times he needs a lot of mercy where you're concerned. He's got more mercy than he needs even for me, even for you. He's rich in mercy. Glory to God. And the next part says, for the love, because of his great love with which, with which he loved us. Glory to God. You know, he loved us, but he loved us with a great love. Praise the Lord. I tell you, there's, there's something in every word if you'll just dig. Even, even, imagine this, even when we were dead in trespasses. That means sins. Even when we were unworthy. Even when we were not even worth considering. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, that's, that's when he loved us. That's when he was rich in mercy towards us and made us alive together with Christ. Glory to God. Now, Pastor Field pointed out on Sunday that Jesus was the first person to be born again. He was the first person to be born again. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died uh, for our sins. He took our sins. And the Bible says he became sin for us. And in becoming sin for us, he was cast out from the presence of God. And that's why God, uh, that's why Jesus on the cross cried out to, to, to the Father. And he said, my Father, why? My, actually, he called him my God. Why have you forsaken me? It's the first time he'd ever called God, God. He'd always referred to God as his father. I'm talking about in calling out to him. Uh, he referred to God, but in calling out to him, he always referred to him as father. But he had lost that, that, that sense of union with, with his father. My God, my God, why have, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, his spirit was darkened. He had taken upon himself the sin nature of the world, of all of us. And, and he lost his, his awareness of God, but not just mentally, he lost it because he was separated from God for the first time. Separation from God is the definition of spiritual death. It's not dying like a dog dies and you just, you know, that's it. No, it's, it's spiritual death is consciousness, but separation from God. And Jesus on the cross was conscious of the fact that his father had turned his back on him because he had become sin. Well, he went, the Bible says that he, Pastor Field pointed out, that he went into the lower part of the earth. Ephesians, you know, chapter uh, 5, I guess it is, or 6. He went, in, went into the lower parts of the earth. Well, the tomb on the side of the mountain could not be considered the lowest parts of the earth. 
I couldn't be talking about his physical burial. I mean, even we bury people six feet in the ground. They, that, that wasn't even six feet in the ground. That was just in the side of, side of the mountain. That's not the lowest part of the earth. He descended into the lowest parts of the earth. He descended into hell itself to suffer for us. And uh, a scripture we've looked at, we won't look at, look at it again over in Timothy. It talks about great is the mystery of godliness. That God, was, that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's talking about Jesus as God. That God was justified in the spirit. Well, justified means to be made righteous. Well, how, how would God, why would God need to be justified? Why would Jesus need to be justified? It's because he had become sin and he had to be born out of that spiritual death back into life. And when justice had been done, when the claims of, of justice, when the Supreme Court of Heaven, if you want to put it that way, when the, when the, when the, when, when God in all of his righteous fury, because God has a right to be angry at the sinner. Go ahead and say amen right in here. Be all right. Thank you. How about anybody else want to try it? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Don't go to sleep. God has a right to be angry at the sinner. The Bible talks about all of the, all of the evils that, that he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the unrighteous. God has a right to be angry at the sinner, but his, but his anger has been appeased. During this time of grace, it's been appeased by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was like Stephen said, I think it was you that said, only God could think of someone. Did you bring up that fact that God had such a wonderful plan? Who was that that said that? Mark. Yeah, Mark was talking about that. I knew somebody did. What an amazing, thorough plan. Because God was so rich in his mercy that he allowed Jesus to go to the cross and to take the sting of sin and the sting of death and take the judgment of sin and death that we all owed. And like I said, God has a right to judge sin. But Jesus has taken that, that pain and that sting of sin and death upon himself so that we could be free. But I'm telling you, the hour is coming. The hour is coming when the day of grace will be over. And God's wrath will be poured out upon the ungodly. That's why it's so important that we, that we live in a way that, uh, 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 that we model and exemplify and, 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 and that, it, that it shows on us that we are washed that we've been cleansed, that we belong to God and that we have, we have the answer for people because we do. I, I made a statement when I was in Randy Greer's meeting. Uh, now, Brother Randy's going to be here in a few weeks and I'm telling you, he's, he's sitting on all cylinders. You need to be here. It was a powerful meeting. And uh, Brother Randy had me come up and receive the offering. And, uh, and so I, I just you know shared for a few minutes and I and I. In, in, in what I was saying about supporting Brother Randy, it kind of uh, got into this other part here. That uh, since I've come to, to understand, I don't you understand, none of us understand everything. And if you look at the whole volume of what there is to understand about God, we, we're just as dumb as a rock, you know. But, thank, but, but in light of what we didn't know, we're brilliant. <laughs> I mean, we've been so enlightened. 
And when I got a hold, I'd been raised in church. It's a little kid in a, in a good, good church, Pentecostal church, a large Pentecostal church for the day in the 1960s, 50s and 60s, a Pentecostal church that ran 700 people in attendance was massive. And uh, I mean, I think only First Baptist downtown was maybe bigger than our church. And full gospel, spirit-filled church, church of God. And uh, we had, because we were the largest church in our denomination in our state, we had all the best preachers. The, the more successful pastors, you know, that had, that had paid their dues in the little churches, you know, and worked their way up. Sister uh, um, Browning, she just want to talk about you work your way up, you know. And uh, so, so those were the pastors that became pastors of our church. They were better, better educated, uh, better preachers, better, you know, a little more cultured and so forth. And, and we had the best evangelists. Oh, my goodness. And, and I'm telling you, our denomination had awesome evangelists. They could preach. They could preach hell so hot you could smell the sulfur. I mean, you'd feel the, the fire popping around your legs and your knees. You know, I mean, they could preach. And, and we had good Bible doctrine. Good, I'm so grateful to my church that I was raised in for the the foundation they instilled in us. We knew the Bible, but I had never heard the message of faith. I, 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 we talked about faith, and we knew that without faith, you can't be saved, and, the, and, the, the, and, and that if salvation is by faith, it's by the grace of God through faith and so forth. We, we knew that faith was the basis of salvation, but we knew it in the sense that it's faith, not works, that, that aspect of faith. But I, I never in my life heard the message of what I would call dynamic faith, where we can take the promises of God and take what Jesus said and actually act on them. And every single time we know God will answer because we had, we had excuses for everything. I mean, we, we, we had enough miracles in our church that we knew God could do things, and often he did, but we didn't know how it happened. And and honestly, in in, in even though there were all of these wonderful uh, victories and and miracles and healings and mighty things that happened, most of the time they didn't happen. Most of the time, people didn't get healed. Most of the time, people didn't prosper, uh, and so forth. When I heard the message of faith. The very first book I read by Kenneth Hagin, something clicked on me and I realized this is the answer. What I'm, what I'm trying to say here, and I'm way off my topic here, but that's okay. The message of faith uh, and, and the associated truths, who we are in Christ, uh, the authority of the believer. What belongs to us in, in redemption, what, what God has made available for us, our covenant, all of those things, all of that is, is embodied, all of those truths, that's not the right the word, all of those truths are, are in this message of faith. And without all of those truths, uh, th- those are the things that, that support and give foundation to the fact that we can believe God because all of these things belong to us. They didn't belong to us. It'd be really difficult to believe God for things. 
So the message of faith has these truths of all that God has done and all that belief, all that belongs to us. And when I first that first read that first book on faith, I realized I, I this is what I've looked for all my young life. I mean, I wasn't very old, but I, I this is this is what I've looked for. I knew that it's, you know you have people in the world that ask these crazy questions. You know, what is the meaning of life? I knew when I heard faith that this was the answer to life. And as I, as I studied more about what belongs to us, what Jesus has done for us, what God has done for us in Christ and through Christ and what redemption has provided, it, it, it like a, like a, a big, uh, uh, banjo stitch, it just sort of drew all of these other Bible doctrines together, knit them together, and it connected the dots. And I made this statement in Randy's meeting. I didn't go into all this detail. I was just taking up the offering, you know. But uh, probably wouldn't ask me to do that again if I had. <laughs> but I said, uh, this, this, the truths that we have are the answers to every, everyone's questions. And since I learned who I am in Christ and learn what God has done in his great plan of redemption. No one has, I'm not saying somebody's not asked me a question about, pastor, what do you think God about, do about this or that? Will you pray with me? I'm not talking about that, but philosophical questions or questions about, you know, about God and his will and, and, and what can we expect? I've never had anyone ask a question about the sovereignty of God, the, those complex things, sovereignty of God, the mystery of God. I've never had anybody ask a question I couldn't answer. I'm not bragging on me. I'm just saying the message we have is the message that God has ordained for these last days. Amen. And there's not going to be another message. The message of faith, the authority of the believer, and the move of the Spirit combined. Because God gave Brother Hagin two messages. First was faith, and he did that for uh, almost 45 years or so, 50 years, 50 years, I guess. And then, the well, 60 years. The last two, uh, 20 years of his life, he, he focused on the move of the Spirit. Faith in the move of the Spirit. And this message is the message that the, that the church needs to get us ready for the return of the Lord. That's what God's doing. If you don't know what God's doing, he's getting the church ready for the return. Listen, forget about getting the world ready. The church has got to get ready for the return of the Lord. God is, is moving on our hearts in prayer about getting the church ready to meet the Lord because most Christians aren't ready to meet him. Not accusing anybody. I'm just saying most Christians in the body of Christ are not ready for Jesus to return. The Bible talks about being ashamed at his appearing. Much of the church world, if, 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 if Jesus returned, would be ashamed. And he's, he's trying to get the church ready. And the message of faith, authority, covenant... Holy Ghost, that's the message. And there's not going to be another 
like, like the message of faith that come along, that came along in the, in the, in the seventies, it's not going to be another message. It's not. So how can you say that? Because this ties everything together. For instance, there was a message of grace that came out. I don't know how many years ago now, this, this extreme grace teaching. And it started taking hold in the body of Christ as a new understanding of grace. Now, much like people knew about faith, but there was a new understanding of faith. There was a new movement. Well, there's been a, there's been a grace movement that's reached all the way around the world. And, and the people who are following it relate to it like, like we do, that, that it's, it's, it's their new word of faith. And most of them are from the word of faith camp, but they've, they, they turned their back because they were looking for something else and they opened themselves up to this grace. The, the, the modern day extreme grace message is not true. It's not, it's, it's got a fatal flaw in it. And that flaw is that, that Jesus has, because he's been to the cross and he's already died for all of our sins, past, present, and future, it doesn't really matter how we live. That we can, we can just go through life and we really don't have to repent. We don't really, and I asked somebody recently, a, a very well-respected, uh, Bible scholar, I said, now, you know, I don't, I don't read this stuff. I just hear what's being said, but I've read enough that it makes me believe it. But, but I can't, I can't say for sure. I said, do, do, do the extreme grace people actually teach? Do they actually say you can live any way you want to? He said, they absolutely do. He says, I've heard it. You can live any way you want to. Well, that's a, that's a false doctrine. So, so uh, in the last days, there will be false doctrine that will arise. And we have to be careful that we judge everything by the word of God. The word and the spirit. The word and the spirit. Because I didn't know enough word. Uh, even though I, I, was, I was schooled in basic Bible doctrine growing up. I didn't know enough of the fullness of the word to really judge by, by my mind what I read when I read about faith. Something in here went off on the inside of me. There was a, there was a witness in the spirit. Because when you hear the truth, the Holy Spirit will quicken that on the inside of you. It becomes alive on the inside of you. Glory to God. And uh, uh, if you, we, we have to, we have to use our knowledge of the Bible. We have to use that. We, we don't just swallow things. We judge everything according to the word. But at the same time, we have to follow our heart. Because the spirit will bear witness to the truth. And when someone tries to, to, to give you a, a doctrine or tell you and give you an interpretation of scripture, that they seem to have proof in the word you know, you can you can find just about anything you want to believe in the bible 
And, and a lot of people take their scriptures out of their settings and they build a case. And, and if you're not careful, you, uh, if you're just operating in the mental realm, you can fall prey to that because somebody can say, well, listen, this is this, this, and they string this little thing together and, uh, and it'll seem like it's true. But yeah, what about your heart? If you're, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, he's our teacher and our guide. He will instruct us. He will give witness to the truth and he will warn us when we're not listening to the truth. Amen. I, I, this, I, I remember this story that Brother Hagin told years ago about a, about a man that uh, was teaching false doctrine. And uh, this very well-educated, I'm talking about educated biblically, this well-biblically-educated man uh, fell pray to this wrong teaching that was that was going around this a man was holding meetings in a certain place i remember all the detail but a man was holding meetings and people were coming and this bible this esteemed bible uh, scholar in this church started going to these meetings and he he had questions but he kept asking questions and and the teacher kept answering his questions and he eventually fell for it and and accepted this false doctrine then there was, a, there was a young woman in the church who had only been saved a short time. She had just gotten saved and filled with the Holy Ghost just not very long before. She went to one meeting and, and she knew in her heart and she told somebody afterwards, she said, you know, I, something about that's not right. She couldn't tell you biblically what was right, but something on the inside said, that's not right, stay away. And she never went back. So here this Bible scholar in this church, he was a layman, but he was very well and uh, very knowledgeable, you know, a, a scholar of the Bible. And uh, he fell for it. But this, this woman who didn't have that background, didn't know nearly what he knew, uh, saved herself from it and, and didn't fall prey to it. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And, and the move of the Spirit and the witness of the Spirit. What amazing truths. What an amazing truth for the church. And I know I'm rambling here, but I, I'm so off off my topic. I, you know, just, I keep looking at the clock going, I'm, can I get back on? But I don't think I can. Part of the word of faith is the leading of the spirit. There was no one in modern times had ever been taught, had ever taught anybody what the spirit was. I have the commentaries and some people say the human spirit and they, they'll start describing the human spirit and they start, they're describing the soul. And then when they start describing the soul, they call that the spirit. And then most of them just get, after they do there for a while, they say, literally, there's no difference. We don't know what the difference is. And, and brother Hagen came out with this little book, the human spirit. I think it was a two volume back then. It was, it's probably one now, two little volumes on, on the human spirit, the inward man and what it meant to what, what the, what your inward man was and how the God leads us by an inward witness. What a revolutionary truth. We can be led in the smallest details of life and the big decisions in life the same way, man, being led by the spirit. What an aid. Glory to God. And so uh, what we have answers all of the questions. We need to think about it that way. We need, to, we need to take advantage of what we have. 
and really be ready to give answers to people and not shy. Don't, if you if you've been coming to church any length of time, I guarantee you, you're more than a match to all of the atheists where you work. You're more than a match. To all of the confused people, the mixed up people, you, you're more than a, and I don't say you're in a match like you're fighting them, but you're, you, you can answer them just with what you know. Because this works. This works. Glory to God. Everything has been, God has raised the word of faith up as a message for the return of the Lord. To get the church ready, primarily to get us ready, not just to get us rich, not just to heal us, but to get us ready for the return of the Lord. He's coming back soon. And it's necessary that we start acting like it. And that doesn't mean, you know, uh, being flaky, but it means going about our day with an awareness of who we are. And, and can, I, can I get back to, to, to what I was going to talk about for the last, for another six minutes? Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I touched on this on Sunday, but I didn't finish. I didn't say everything that I want to say now. <laughs> I said everything I want to say then, but everything I want to say now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone, oh, thank God it's for anybody. It's remember what Pastor Field said, you know, that the, uh, the weakness of the old covenant, it, was, it wasn't for everybody, but the new covenant is for everybody. If anyone, young, old, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter. Therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, I always read it that way. If anyone is in, yes, what in Christ means, it means to be in union with him. Therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ... He is, he is a new creation. Oh, glory to God. We might go till 930 tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Any man is in Christ, in union with Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I, I like the Conabere. I'm reading out of the 26th translation Bible that, that draws from about 20, draws from 26 different translations. Uh, and each, each verse only has a few, though. His Canterbury translation says, His old being has passed away. All has become new. His old being, the old being, the old person you were, has passed away. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And, uh, let me see. Oh, yeah, this is, this is one that I wrote in here in the margin. The, the Dean's translation says, a true Christian is not merely a man altered, but a man remade. We didn't get fixed when Christ came into our life. We didn't get renovated. We didn't get cleaned up. The old past, you, could, you can't clean up death. You can't clean up dead. Dead is just dead. Old things passed away. The old man that we were, dead in our trespasses and sin, was nailed to the cross with Christ. He's never, ever coming back. So many people are all, you know, bound up and, 
and, and, and troubled about their past and things that have happened to them and, you know, hurtful things and so forth. Listen, the past is gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's not just, it's not just, you know, some people turn over a new leaf or have something good happen. Woman divorces her miserable husband, you know, and, and says, I, you know, the past is gone. I've got a new life. Now, that's not what this is talking about. That's the same old life. You just, you just hoping for a better day. That's all that is. <laughs> no, the, the old man we were, woman you were, person you were, actually is gone. He's never coming back. The old slate of things has passed away. What is old has gone. I'm still here. It's a joke. I like this translation. His old life has disappeared. Everything has become new about him. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank God. Everything. When you got born again, everything about you, except the way you look and the way you think. But everything about the real you, the person on the inside, that old man was gone and, and, and a new person came into being, right? moved into that body. A new person. He says, uh, another one says, Philip's translation says, the past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. The first part of this says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. The 20th century New Testament says, therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new being. A new being. So you didn't, you weren't just the same old person. You're not the same old girl you used to be. <laughs> You're a new person altogether. Amen. If anyone, Phyllis Translate said, if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. I think I read that. He's, he's, he's a new being. Brother Randy, I mean, Brother uh, 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 Field pointed this out, and I had pointed it out too, that the, the first, the Bible refers to Adam, you know, the Garden of Eden, Adam, as the first Adam, refers to Jesus as the last Adam. Because Adam, in the Garden of Eden, that Adam, he, he, he's at the head of the human race in terms of genealogy. He, we all have Adam's DNA, some measure. Everybody that has come since then is, is in union with him in that sense, physically, as in Adam, all die. But in Christ, all are made alive. And Adam was the first Adam, calls Jesus the last Adam, not the second. He's called the second man, but he's called the last Adam. That means Jesus, if he's the last, why is he called the last Adam? Because Adam was the head of a new race, the human race, a new species. But all of these things that God had created on the earth, but the human species wasn't there. Adam was the head of a new species. Christ is the head of a new species. We're, 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 a new, we're a new species. That's why Pastor Field pointed out the fact that, that 
we're not like everybody else. We're different. We're, we don't just think different. We don't just, I grew up in a church where we focused on looking different. But, <laughs> but we are, we're not the same as other people. On the we're a new we're a different species than they are spiritually. They're they're human, and and in Adam we still have a human flesh, but our spirit nature isn't like theirs. We ought to celebrate that instead of hiding it, instead of trying to explain it away and apologizing for it. We ought to celebrate. I don't mean go to to your job and throw a party about it. I'm saying. We ought to celebrate it in our heart that we're different. I don't know why in the world Christians want to act like the world. Why in the world would you, would you come to Christ, be born again, receive a, the new nature, be recreated, and still want to act and talk and think and relate to the world like the world does? I, I, it, ro- it will rob you of your victory, I can tell you that. You'll, you'll be a very uh, uh, unhappy, unhappy person. The most miserable person in the world you'll ever want to meet is not the sinner. It's a carnal Christian. That's the most miserable person in the world. He's got too much of God in him to really enjoy sin. And, and he's got too much sin in him to really enjoy the things of God. And he's just in turmoil all, all the time, just mixed up and just under, under condemnation all the time, trouble all the time. Listen, we're a new creature. We're a new creation. Oh, glory to God. We've been freed from that old life. We've been freed from those old things. Glory to God. What we have, the covenant we had have is so much better than the best this world can offer. Our philosophy is better. Our morals are better. Our reasons are better. Our truth is better. Everything, now we're not better in ourselves, but everything in Christ is better. And in, and in him we are. That's why we tell somebody sometimes, you know, you're better than that. Which means you're living below what belongs to you. Don't live like the world. <laughs> Don't think like the world. I think I taught about that a few months ago. Don't let the the thought processes of this world overcome what's going on in the inside. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this was a scatter shot. Shotgun message came from every direction. Praise the Lord. And it's 845, so I'll stop. Well, praise the Lord. I still got something for Sunday. (laughs) hallelujah God is good isn't he I tell you what I tell you Jesus just thrills me it just thrills me the things of God thrill me you say well you're not acting like you're very thrilled oh I am (laughs) glory to God because I was in bondage and I'm free glory to God freedom 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 in Christ freedom I'm freedom I'm freedom I'm free from I freedom, I free, I, I can't even talk. Did somebody just snort? Well, don't feel bad. Pastor, Pastor Field read a joke from his phone at lunch the other day and I, 
and I was drinking, I spit water out. I think what I started to say was, I'm free. I'm free. Free from the past. Free from, free from what people think. Free from what the devil, free from his accusations. You know, when the devil starts accusing you, just remember, he is the father of lies. <laughs> Glory to God. And even, even though you don't, might not feel like you qualify for what the word says is yours. Take your stand. Just say, no, this is the covenant. That I, I'm a covenant man. Jesus entered into covenant with the Father and he drew me into that covenant and everything that's his is mine. Everything that belongs to him. When God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. Now that's a faith God. When he can look at us and see Jesus. If, if God can look at us and see Jesus, we ought to be able to look at us and see Jesus. He knows a whole lot more about us than we do. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.